Volume the Second, Chapter Sixteen of Helen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Helen by Maria Edgeworth, Volume the Second, Chapter Sixteen. General Clarendon was sitting in the music room within the library, the door open, so that he could see Helen the moment she came in, and that moment he threw down his book as he rose, and their eyes met. Hers fell beneath his penetrating glance. He came forward immediately to meet her, with the utmost gentleness and kindness in his whole appearance and manner, took her hand, and, drawing her arm within his, said, in the most encouraging voice consider me as your brother helen you know you have allowed me so to feel for you and so believe me i do feel this kindness quite overcame her and she burst into tears he hurried her across the library into the inner room seated her and when he had closed the door stood beside her and began as if he had been to blame, to apologize for himself. You must have been surprised at my having opened letters which did not belong to me, but there was no direction, no indication that could stop me. They were simply in a cover directed to me. The purpose of whoever sent them must have been to make me read them. The ultimate purpose was, I doubt not, to ruin Lady Cecilia Clarendon, in my opinion. Or me, said Helen. No, Miss Stanley, no, that at all events cannot be, said the general. Supposing the letters to be acknowledged by you, still it would be quite a different affair. But in the first place, look at them. They may be forgeries. You will tell me if they are forgeries? and he placed the packet in her hands. Scarcely looking at the writing, she answered, No, forgeries, I am sure they are not. The general looked again at the direction of the cover and observed, This is a feigned hand. Whose can it be? Helen was on the brink of saying that Cecilia had told her it was like the writing of Carlos. Now this cover had not, to the general's knowledge, been seen by Cecilia, and that one answer might have betrayed all that she was to conceal, for he would instantly have asked how and when did Cecilia see it, and the cause of her fainting would have been then understood by him. Such hazards in every, even the first, least step in falsehood, such hazard in this first moment but she escaped this peril and helen answered it is something like the writing of the page carlos but i do not think all that direction is his there seem to be two different hands i do not know indeed how it is some time or other it will come out said the general I will keep this cover, 
it will lead to the direction of that boy or whoever it was that employed him to give her further time the general went on looking at the miniature which he held in his hand this is a beautiful likeness said he and not ill-painted by cecilia was not it helen looked at it and answered yes by cecilia i am glad it is safe said the general restored cecilia told me the history i know that it was stolen not given by you given said helen oh no stolen base said the general he was base answered helen general clarendon held in his hand along with the picture one letter separated from the rest open he looked at it as if embarrassed while helen spoke the last words and he repeated base yes he certainly was or he would have destroyed these letters again helen was on the point of saying that colonel d'aubigny had told cecilia he had done so but fortunately her agitation in default of presence of mind kept her silent this is the first letter i opened said the general before i was aware that they were not what i should read i saw only the first words i thought then that i had a right to read them when these letters met my eyes i conceived them to have been written by my wife i had a right to satisfy myself respecting the nature of the correspondence that done i looked no further i bore my suspense i awaited till she awoke so she told me cecilia has told me all but even if she had not in any circumstances who could doubt your honour general clarendon then trust to it miss stanley for the past for the future trust to it you gratify me more than i can express you do me justice i wished to return these letters to you with my own hand continued he to satisfy myself in the first place that there was no mistake of that your present candour indeed the first look of that ingenuous countenance was sufficient helen felt that she blushed all over pardon me for distressing you my dear helen it was a matter in which a man must be selfish must in point of honour must in point of feeling i owe to your candour not merely relief from what i could not endure and live but relief from suspicion suspicion of the truth of one dearer to me than life helen sat as if she had been transfixed i owe to you continued he the happiness of my whole future life then i am happy cried helen happy in this at all events whatever may become of me she had not yet raised her eyes towards the general she felt as if her first look must betray cecilia but she now tried to fix her eyes upon him as he looked anxiously at her and she said thank you thank you general clarendon oh thank you for all the kindness you have shown me but i am the more grieved 
it makes me more sorry to sink quite in your esteem. To sink. You do not. Your candor, your truth, raises you. Oh, do not say that. I do, repeated the general, and you may believe me. I am incapable of deceiving you. This is no matter of compliment. Between friend and friend, I should count a word, a look of falsehood, treason. Helen's tears stopped, and, without knowing what she did, she began hastily to gather up the packet of letters which she had let fall. The general assisted her in putting them into her bag, and she closed the strings, thanked him, and was rising when he went on. I beg your indulgence, while I say a few words of myself. She sat down again immediately. Oh, as many as you please. I believe I may say I am not of a jealous temper. I am sure you are not, said Helen. I thank you, said the general. May I ask on what your opinion is founded? On what has now passed? and on all that I have heard from Lady Davenant. He bowed. You may have heard, then, from Lady Davenant, of some unfortunate circumstances in my own and in a friend's family, which happened a short time before my marriage? Helen said she had. And of the impression these circumstances made on my mind, my consequent resolve never to marry a woman who had ever had any previous attachment? Helen was breathless at hearing all this repeated. "'Were you informed of these particulars?' said the general. "'Yes,' said Helen, faintly. "'I am not asking, Miss Stanley, whether you approved of my resolution, simply whether you heard of it?' "'Yes, certainly.' "'That's well. It was on an understanding between Cecilia and myself,' on this point, that I married. Did you know this? Yes, said Helen. Some words, continued the general, once fell from Lady Davenant concerning this Colonel D'Aubigny, which alarmed me. Cecilia satisfied me that her mother was mistaken. Cecilia solemnly assured me that she had never loved him. The general paused. Helen, conceiving that he waited for and required her opinion, replied, So I always thought, so I often told Lady Davenant. But at this moment, recollecting the words at the beginning of that letter, My dear, too dear Henry, Helen's voice faltered. The general saw her confusion, but attributed it to her own consciousness. Had Lady Davenant not been mistaken, resumed he, that is to say, had there ever been, as might have happened not unnaturally, had there ever been an attachment, in short, had Cecilia ever loved him, and told me so, I am convinced that such truth and candor would have satisfied me, would have increased, as I now feel, increased my esteem. I am at this moment convinced that, in spite of my declared resolution, I should in perfect confidence have married. 
Oh, that Cecilia had but told him, thought Helen. I should not, my dear Miss Stanley, continued the general, have thus taken up your time talking of myself, had I not an important purpose in view. I was desirous to do away in your mind the idea of my great strictness, not on my own account, but on yours, I wished to dispel this notion. Now you will no longer, I trust, apprehend that my esteem for you is diminished. I assure you I can make allowances. She was shocked at the idea of allowances, yet thanked him for his indulgence, and she could hardly refrain from again bursting into tears. Still, by your agitation, I see you are afraid of me, said he, smiling. No, indeed, not afraid of you, but shocked at what you must think of me. I am not surprised, but sorry to see the alarm I gave my poor Cecilia this morning has passed from her mind into yours. To her I must have appeared harsh. I was severe, but when I thought I had been deceived, duped, can you wonder? Helen turned her eyes away. My dear Miss Stanley, why will you not distinguish? The cases are essentially different. Nine out of ten of the young ladies who marry in these countries do not marry the first object of their fancy, and whenever there is, as there will be, I am sure, in your case, perfect candor, I do not apprehend the slightest danger to the happiness of either party. On the contrary, I should foretell an increase of esteem and love. Beauclerc has often... Beauclerc's voice was at this instant heard in the hall. Compose yourself, my dear Miss Stanley. This way, said the general, opening a door into the conservatory, for he had heard Beauclerc's step now in the library. The general followed Helen as she left the room, and touching the bag that contained the letters said, Remember, whatever may be your hurry, lock this up first. Thank you, answered she. I will, I will. And she hastened on, and in a moment she was safe across the hall and upstairs without meeting anyone, and in her own room, and the bag locked up in her cabinet. Lady Davenant's bell rang as she went to her apartment. She looked in at Cecilia, who started up in her bed. All is over, said Helen. All is well. I have the letters locked up. I cannot stay. Helen disengaged herself almost forcibly from Cecilia's embrace, and she was in Lady Davenant's room in another minute. She bade her good morning as composedly as she could. She thought quite as usual. But that was impossible. So much the better for it would not have been natural this last morning of Lady Davenant's stay, when nothing was as usual externally or internally. All was preparation for departure, her maids packing, Lady Davenant making some last arrangements, in the midst of which she stopped to notice Helen, pressed her in her arms, and after looking once in her face, said, My poor child! It must be so. Elliot interrupted 
asking some question, purposely to draw off her attention, and while she turned about to give some orders to another servant, Elliot said to Miss Stanley, My lady was not well last night. She must be kept from all that can agitate her as much as possible. Helen at that instant rejoiced that she had done what she had. She agreed with Elliot, she said, that all emotion which could be avoided should, and upon this principle busied herself, and was glad to employ herself in whatever she could to assist the preparations, avoiding all conversation with Lady Davenant. "'You are right, my love, quite right,' said Lady Davenant. "'The best way is always to employ oneself always to the last. "'Yes, put up those drawings carefully, in this portfolio, Elliot. "'Take silver paper, Helen.' "'They were Helen's own drawings, so all went on, and all was safe, "'even when Cecilia was spoken of, while the silver paper went over the drawings.' Helen answered that she had seen her. She was not well, but still not seriously ill, though. Yes, said Lady Davenant, only the general is too anxious about her, very naturally. He sent me word just now, continued she, that he has forbidden her to get up before breakfast. I will go and see her now, dear Cecilia. I hope she will do well. Every way. I feel sure of it. Helen, sure as you do yourself, my dear. But what is the matter? Nothing, said Helen. That was not quite true, but she could not help it. Nothing, repeated she. Only I am anxious, my dear Lady Davenant, continued poor Helen, blundering, unaccustomed to evasions. Only... I am very anxious you should go soon to Cecilia. I know she is awake now, and you will be hurried after breakfast. Elliot looked reproachfully at Miss Stanley, for she thought it much better for her lady to be engaged in more indifferent matters till after breakfast, when she would have but a few minutes to spend with her daughter. So Helen, correcting herself, added, But perhaps I'm wrong. Do not let me interrupt you in whatever you are doing. My dear child, said Lady Davenant, you do not know what you are saying or doing yourself this morning. But no suspicion was excited in her mind, as she accounted for Helen's perturbation by the sorrow of their approaching separation, and by the hurry of her spirits at Beauclerc's arrival the day before. And then came the meeting the general at breakfast, which Helen dreaded, but so composed, so impenetrable was he that she could hardly believe that anything could have occurred that morning to agitate him. Lady Davenant, after being with her daughter, came to take leave of Helen, and said gravely, Helen, remember what I said of Cecilia's truth. My trust is in you. Remember if I never see you again, by all the love and esteem I bear you, and all which you feel for me, remember this my last request, prayer, adjuration to you, 
support save cecilia at that moment the general came to announce that the carriage was ready promptly he led her away handed her in and the order to drive on was given lady davenant's last look her last anxious smile was upon helen and beauclerc as they stood beside each other on the steps and she was gone helen was so excessively agitated that beauclerc did not attempt to detain her from hurrying to her own room where she sat down and endeavoured to compose herself she repeated lady davenant's last words support save cecilia and unlocking the cabinet in which she had deposited the fatal letters she seized the bag that contained them and went immediately to cecilia she was in her dressing-room and the general sitting beside her on the sofa upon which she was resting he was sitting directly opposite to helen as she entered she started at the sight of him his eye instantly fell upon the bag and she felt her face suddenly flush he took out his watch said he had an appointment and was gone before helen raised her eyes my dearest friend come to me come close to me cried cecilia and throwing her arms round helen she said oh i am the happiest creature now are you said helen yes that i am and i thank you for it how much i thank you helen it is impossible to express and better i love you than anything upon earth but clarendon himself my best friend my generous helen oh clarendon has been so kind so very kind so sorry for having alarmed me he is a noble charming creature i love him a thousand times better than i ever did am happier than i ever was and all this i owe to you dearest helen but i cannot get your eyes from that bag what have you there the letters said helen the letters exclaimed cecilia springing up give them to me seizing and opening the bag oh that dreadful perfume helen open the window and bolt the door my dear both doors while helen was doing so cecilia struck one little quick blow on a taper lighter it flared and when helen turned one of the letters was in flames and cecilia continued feeding the flame with them as fast as ever it could devour burn burn there there cried she i would not look at any one of them again for the world i know no more what is in them than if i had never written them except those horrid horrid words clarendon saw and showed me i cannot bear to think of it there now continued she as they burned no one can ever know anything more about the matter how glad i am to see them burning burnt safe the smell will go off in a minute or two it is going yes gone is it not now we may breathe freely but you look as if you did not know whether you were glad or sorry helen i believe it was right 
the general advised me to lock them up said helen but then did he how thoughtful of him but better to burn them at once i am sure it was not my fault that they were not long ago destroyed i was assured by that abominable man but no matter we will never think of him again it is done now no not completely yet said she looking close at the half-white half-black burnt paper in which words and whole lines still appeared in shrunken but yet quite legible characters one cannot be too careful and she trampled on the burnt paper and scattered the cinders helen was anxious to speak she had something important to say but hesitated she saw that cecilia's thoughts were so far from what she had wanted to speak of that she could not instantly say it she could not bear to overturn all cecilia's present happiness and yet said to herself i must i must or what may happen hereafter then forcing herself to speak she began your mother is safe now cecilia oh yes and thank you thank you for that then now cecilia your promise my promise lady cecilia's eyes opened in unfeigned astonishment what promise oh i recollect i promised did i my dear cecilia surely you cannot have forgotten how was it you know the reason i consented was to prevent the danger of any shock to lady davenant well i know but what did i promise the words had in reality passed lady cecilia's lips at the time without her at all considering them as a promise only as a means of persuasion to bring helen to her point what did i promise repeated she you said as soon as my mother is safe as soon as she is gone i will tell my husband all cecilia you cannot forget what you promised oh no now i remember it perfectly but i did not mean so soon i never imagined you would claim it so soon but some time i certainly will tell him all do not put it off dearest cecilia it must be done let it be done to-day to-day lady cecilia almost screamed i will tell you why said helen to-day repeated lady cecilia if we let the present now pass continued helen we shall lose both the power and the opportunity believe me i have not the power helen and i do not know what you mean by the opportunity said cecilia we have a reason now to give general clarendon a true good reason for what we have done reason cried lady cecilia what can you mean that it was to prevent danger to your mother and now she is safe and if you tell him directly he will see this was really so that is true but i cannot wait till to-morrow at least every day will make it more difficult the deception will be greater and less pardonable if we delay it will become deliberate falsehood 
a sort of conspiracy between us said helen conspiracy oh helen do not use such a shocking word when it is really nothing at all then why not tell it urged helen because though it is nothing at all in reality yet clarendon would think it dreadful though i have done nothing really wrong so i say so i know cried helen therefore therefore let me take my own time said cecilia how can you urge me so hurrying me so terribly and when i am but just recovered from one misery and when you had made me so happy and when i was thanking you with all my heart helen was much moved but answered as steadily as she could it seems cruel but indeed i am not cruel when you had raised me up continued cecilia to dash me down again and leave me worse than ever not worse no surely not worse when your mother is safe yes safe thank you but oh helen have you no feeling for your own cecilia the greatest answered helen and her tears said the rest you helen i never could have thought you would have urged me so oh cecilia if you knew the pain it was to me to make you unhappy again but i assure you it is for your own sake dearest cecilia let me tell you all that general clarendon said about it and then you will know my reasons she repeated as quickly as she could all that had passed between her and the general and when she came to this declaration that if cecilia had told him plainly the fact before he would have married her with perfect confidence and as he believed with increased esteem and love cecilia started up from the sofa on which she had thrown herself and exclaimed oh that i had but known this at the time and i would have told him it is still time said helen time now impossible his look this morning oh that look but what is one look my dear cecilia compared with a whole life of confidence and happiness a life of happiness never never for me in that way at least never in that way and no other cecilia believe me i am certain you never could endure to go on concealing this living with him you love so yet deceiving him deceiving do not call it deceiving it is only suppressing a fact that would give him pain and when he can have no suspicion why give him that pain i am afraid of nothing now but this timidity of yours this going back just before you came in clarendon was saying how much he admired your truth and candour how much he is obliged to you for saving him from endless misery he said so to me that was what made me so completely happy i saw that it was all right for you as well as me that you had not sunk that you had risen in his esteem but i must sink cecilia in his esteem and now it hangs upon a single point upon my doing 
what I cannot do. Then she repeated what the general had said about that perfect openness, which he was sure there would be in this case between her and Beauclerc. You see what the general expects that I should do. Yes, said Cecilia, and then, indeed, she looked much disturbed. I am very sorry that this notion of your telling Beauclerc came into Clarendon's head. Very, very sorry, for he will not forget it. And yet, after all, continued she, he will never ask you point-blank, have you told Beauclerc, and still more impossible that he should ask Beauclerc about it. Cecilia, said Helen, if it were only for myself I would say no more. There is nothing I would not endure that I would not sacrifice, even my utmost happiness. She stopped and blushed deeply. Oh, my dearest Helen, do you think I could let you ever hazard that? If I thought there was the least chance of injuring you with Granville, I would do anything. I would throw myself at Clarendon's feet this instant. This instant? I wish he was here, cried Helen. Good heavens, do you? cried Lady Cecilia, looking at the door with terror. She thought she heard his step. Yes, if you would but tell him. Oh, let me call him. Oh, no, no. Spare me, spare me. I cannot speak now. I could not utter the words. I should not know what words to use. Tell him, if you will. I cannot. May I tell him? said Helen eagerly. No, no. That would be worse. If anybody tells him, it must be myself. "'Then you will now, when he comes in?' "'He is coming!' cried Cecilia. General Clarendon came to the door. It was bolted. "'In a few minutes,' said Helen. Lady Cecilia did not speak, but listened, as in agony, to his receding footsteps. "'In a few minutes, Helen, did you say? "'Then there is nothing for me now but to die. "'I wish I could die.' I wish I was dead. Helen felt she was cruel. She began to doubt her own motives. She thought she had been selfish in urging Cecilia too strongly. And going to her kindly, she said, Take your own time, my dear Cecilia. Only tell him, tell him soon. I will, I will indeed, when I can. But now I am quite exhausted. "'You are indeed,' said Helen. "'How cruel I've been! "'How pale you are!' Lady Cecilia lay down on the sofa, and Helen covered her with a soft India shawl, trembling so much herself that she could hardly stand. "'Thank you, thank you, dear, kind Helen. "'Tell him I am going to sleep, "'and I am sure I hope I shall.' Helen closed the shutters, she had done now all she could. She feared she had done too much. And as she left the room, she said to herself, Oh, Lady Davenant, if you could see, if you knew, what it cost me. End of Volume the Second, Chapter 16 End of Volume the Second, 